A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. Then he was in forensics. Then he was a New South Wales firefighter. This season of Loose Units is called Hot Stuff Coming Through. And apart from having an incredibly cool and stupid name, it's going to reveal the untold side of being a firefighter in Australia. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Hot Stuff Coming Through. I'm Paul Verhoeven and my dad, John Verhoeven, used to be a firefighter and we talk every week about stuff he used to do in his job. Problem is, we just recorded five minutes of what I would say some of our best podcasting and then we lost it. In a, mm, It was my fault, Paul. I, it, I take full responsibility, but it was golden material like was, my mic. And you'll never, never hear it. No. Isn't that infuriating? But it had lots of, you know, lots of double meaning stuff, which I yep. love. Lots of double entendres. I yeah. thrive. I didn't want to use the word entendre. What we're trying to say is it was much better than that. <laughs> Can yeah. I just say something? Yeah, sure. These Fire Brigade podcasts are about to come to an end. They are. We are almost at the end of uh, of the Fire Brigade stories. Obviously, they had to come to a finish at some point. Mm. And some people have actually said to me, why don't you just make, make more and more stories? Like, just create them. But our mantra has been throughout this entire experience, Paul, for the last few years, is to make sure everything's factual. Yeah, and you know... The books are based on real things that happened, but the podcast is literally just dad's stories from his time as a police officer or a forensics you know, investigator or in the fire brigade. And the only way for you to come up with more stories, dad, would be for you to re-enroll. And I assume that's off the cards. Mm. I have occasionally thought about re-enrolling. And if I had to choose which service I'd re-enroll in, mm. look, they're, they're all pretty good. Yeah, no, they're all great. I, I, I couldn't make that call. The good part of the story is that now we'll just go sort of, we've been into the dip, the sadness, <laughs> yeah, and now we're going to go into something pretty exciting, and that is that for those people that might not know this, and I probably feel there might be just a few, but whilst I was in the New South Wales Fire Brigades, I answered an ad in the local paper, which was the Manly Daily, and they required someone to polish cars... Uh, that happened to be just funeral cars, like hearses and things. And that is the beginning of at least two years of the most extraordinary. And I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the stories from the funeral business, definitely some of the most extraordinary stories that you'll you'll ever hear. Basically, what's going to happen is the next season of Loose Units, which will be in a couple of weeks, actually, is going to be I can't. called Loose Units Dead Serious. And it's going to be all about Dad's time working at a funeral home. And we've kind of teased a lot of that stuff. If you pick up Electric Blue, which is the next book uh, that I've written about Dad's adventures, you will actually get a taste of that. There's some of Dad's time in the funeral business. Uh, over there. It is interesting how you tended to gravitate towards jobs that were deeply tragic. Look, it's just a coincidence, really. That wouldn't happen to normal people, is what I'm saying. Are you saying I'm not normal? 
absolutely. Normal I stand by people. That. Dad, you are not normal. And you I mean, what is normal? Do you hang on? Do you think you're normal, really? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'd like to have a a dictionary by my side here, but I think we should perhaps use the word eccentric. Mildly you are, eccentric. You are, look, you are absolutely eccentric. Let's go with eccentric, yeah. Okay. okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, look, obviously we are nearing the end of the Fire Brigade stories and I put a call out last night on our Facebook page over at facebook.com forward slash loose units, which is where you can go if you want to ask us questions and interact with us and kind of, you know, um, just kind of join in with the loose units community. And I told people that it was almost the end of hot stuff coming through and a whole bunch of really great questions came through. So I thought I would read some of these to you, Dad, if you want to kind of rattle some of these off with me. Mm. Here we go. Uh, and this is from Mandy. Hi, Paul. I have a question for John regarding hot stuff coming through. One of the first episodes you mentioned the 94 bushfires. I may only have been 10 at the time, but that December slash January was something I'll never forget. What was it like for you, John, when you were fighting those fires? It, it all came to a head on a Saturday morning. Uh, I was at Forestville. It had been pretty pretty heavy up until that day and then one of the guys on our shift he went sick i think i've made mention of that before Hmm. he just took it he just didn't turn up and he really um i mean i guess it was like we've been watching that michael jordan incredible show on netflix about uh you know it's a 10-parter about the uh, the bulls they they were called the bulls weren't they the chicago um, bulls yes yes there's a the chicago bulls and there's a really uh famous scene in that entire series where one of the nicest guys that you know how you sort of you watch a doco and you sort of warm to certain characters yeah and my favorite uh character is pippin does that name scotty pippin you make it sound like a hobbit but yes scotty pippin no but he just seems to be the oh god he just seems so likable and he's got the best voice possibly i've ever heard apart from mine He's just, but that that famous game where he decided not to, uh, he sat on the sideline and it was something he's regretted ever since. And it was a seminal moment and it sort of altered the relationship between him and his colleagues. The reason I mention that is that this particular firefighter that didn't turn up that morning when we really needed him and also we were a a close-knit team and there was that tremendous sense of camaraderie. And when someone in that environment, particularly emergency services where and I guess in the military as well, where your life really depends on that tight group and because you know how everyone is and how they feel and how they react and you, you can always rely on them. And what, when one guy just pulls the pin, it has a dramatic effect on the morale of everyone else. And that particular firefighter that, that took a dive on that fateful Saturday morning during that hellish bushfire season, and we knew that that Saturday morning was going to be really traumatic and there's that story when we had to go um, up to near the crematorium, which is a bit weird when I say crematorium in lieu of what we're going to be the next season. But we we were stationed up there on this ridge and it was really quiet and still and there was no traffic on the road. They'd shut down all the roads on basically the northern part of Sydney and there was an eerie sense of calm and it was a sense of calm that really lulled us into a false sense of security where you actually can't believe that things are going to go into almost an apocalyptic um, scenario and my crew so I was the motor driver at the back of the pump and my crew went into the bush near the crematorium and all of a sudden I thought it sounded like a train coming and the fire came up the hill it jumped the road which is a main road 
Um, so it created basically a tunnel of fire. So I was underneath the tunnel and with I was by myself at the back of the pump. The fire basically just jumped over the entire road um, and then went into the bush and I realised that all my colleagues were um, probably going to be burnt to death. Um, they had no idea what was behind them and there was no way out. You can't, you can't outrun these things. And, but they had one hose um, and so I cranked up the pressure. I couldn't see them, I couldn't hear them. Um, the whole area was just engulfed in fire, basically a fireball. I expected um, to lose my three, uh, like that's the station officer, and two, so three guys. And um, out of nowhere, this helicopter came, and re- remarkably, it must have seen the three guys, my crew in the bush, and it just dumped thousands of gallons of water on them. I mean, I didn't know what was happening. I could see what was happening, but I didn't quite understand. I didn't link everything. And then my three colleagues came out of the bush like drowned rats and that they'd been saved by this helicopter. In- extraordinary um, situation. That's amazing. Yeah, and um, that, w- that was an intense couple of days and I didn't get to go home and uh, Christine was at home with you kids and mm. basically Sydney particularly the northern part of Sydney, was was just glowing. And uh, we lost lots and lots and lots of houses. Um, and there was a lot of trauma. But the camaraderie and, and the these incidents tend to bring communities together. And I'll never forget uh, families were coming to the fire station at Forestville, knocking on the door and bringing us like food hampers. You'd pull in to get fuel at service stations and the service stations would just say, guys, just take what you like. Oh, wow. Um, and, and there was just a... A really wonderful and you pull up at lights and families would be waving and you know look in times of tragedy uh, they can be a very uniting sort of experience where people tend to come together I, I find that in these times that's when you probably get to know your neighbors and everyone mm. comes out on the street yeah so that was pretty full-on so I hope hopefully that answers that question I think it does uh, and it's that's a really interesting story I hadn't actually heard some of that stuff and I love the fact that you know, people from the community kind of banded together to support the firefighters. Here is a sort of stra- strange pivot. This is less of a question, by the way, Dad, and more of just some correspondence from a lovely listener. This is from Tom Hayes. Did you know that in the UK, the police refer to firefighters as water fairies? P.S. This podcast is my happy place, and the book kept me company while my other half was off her head and snoozing whilst in labor recently. So thank you for your endless hours of entertainment. Tom Thank you for that lovely piece of correspondence. Dad, did you know that police in the UK refer to firefighters as water fairies? And how do you feel about that? Well, I definitely didn't know that. I've never heard that term before. And I'm wondering whether it's a term of endearment. It's an interesting uh, interesting point, a water fairy. Interesting, yeah. I, I've never heard it before. I may never hear it again. <laughs> but uh, I actually... Um, here's, here's a little story about the, the, the fire uh, fireys in England... Yeah. When Windsor Castle caught on, you know, caught a light. I remember that, yeah. Mm, the fireys did an amazing job and they saved a lot of the, the, the priceless collection mm. from that particular fire. And I, I remember I met this guy many, many years ago and he showed me this tiny little sort of a brass hinge and it looked really, really old. And he said to me that a mate of his who was a fiery... Mm-hmm. Had picked it up in in the rubble, 
after the fire and it had belonged to this ancient door and he he just yeah he he kept it and somehow or other it ended up with this mate of his and then his mate I met him and then he knew I was into antiques and he showed me this this beautiful early hinge that had come from Windsor Castle I mean there aren't too many situations in life where you can you know just find a hinge I mean we've been to Windsor Castle haven't we Yes, we have. And uh, the chances of just finding an old hinge, you know, sitting somewhere, except in that fire situation, of course, um, a lot of stuff was uh, destroyed. And he felt that that was a fairly nice souvenir. So it's not, actually not the most exciting story, is it? No, it's not. It's, I mean, it does kind of end with a hinge, which is not super thrilling. No, That's okay. No. Hmm. Jesus Christ. I yeah. mean. That look, some of some of the stories about emergency services work can be a bit banal, but I do have a question here um, from a listener. Hi, Paul and John. My question isn't very nice and a bit taboo. Well, I think so anyway. When my dad used to talk about people being burnt in fires, I was a curious kid eavesdropping. The fireys called them crispy critters. I believe this is the dark humor talking. Was there any firefighter lingo that John used when talking with other firefighters that the general public wouldn't understand? Thanks, guys. Love the show and can't wait to see you live. Um, well, yes, but nothing that I can really talk about in the podcast. Okay. I'm afraid because... No, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Mm, and I'd have to give it a lot of thought. I know that there were certain terms we used to use. Yeah. Um, but look, definitely not for press. And my mum listens to this and it would just freak me out if I knew. Well, look, I do have another question here. This yeah, great, is from great. Lynette Hunston. Was there any major point in your career where you had a major fail in equipment where maybe you couldn't rescue that cat from the tree? Lynette, that's very sweet that you went straight to cat from tree. First of all, Dad, have you ever rescued a cat from a tree? I'm really pleased that you've touched on the cat in the tree. Why? Because I used to get calls at um, at Manly Fire Station, normally about two in the morning from some poor, poor person that was worried about their cat up a tree or they'd yeah. seen a cat up a tree. And... Um, my question to them was, have you ever seen a cat's skeleton up a tree? Why would you say that to them? Because, <laughs> Paul, that means that cats can get down. They don't go up a tree and then die there and become, right. and their skeleton just remains there. I mean, it's a good point, isn't it? But putting that aside, them. because now everyone thinks that I hate cats and I actually love cats. We had a cat once. Um, what? No, we didn't. No. Well, Christine and I had a cat. It was called a Seal Point Siamese. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I very. I didn't know about. I didn't know did, about this. Yeah, it didn't really like me. Uh, but that's. I mean, I was always very nice to it, but it was very temperamental. Right. Uh, I mean, I say it didn't like me. I mean, how do we really know what cats and dogs think? Sure. Because sure. we do I mean, tend to. Cats tend to kind of, you know, cats tend to make it a bit difficult to ascertain whether. But but they are, they're they're smart. But anyway, look, we're not going to go down that that, that cat thing. But um, what was the question again? Oh, Jesus Christ. Hang on a second. (laughs) Every time something like this happens, I have to edit it. So every time we do this, we're creating more work for Paul. Here we go. Oh, yeah, Lynette was asking, um, was there any point in your career where you had a major fail in equipment where you maybe couldn't rescue that cat from the tree? That's right. That was just an example. However, Paul, what we would do Mm. is we would, as a mark and sign of respect and and love for our fellow community, Uh we would all get up at two in the morning in the rain or whatever 
midwinter and we'd go out and sometimes we'd call the the ladders out which really made them really happy Mm. and we'd get the ladder and the guy would go up and try and grab the cat and he would normally sustain invariably sustain major lacerations to his arm because the last thing the cat wants to see is some guy with a big hat on coming up and trying to grab it because the cat knows that it can actually get down you with me yeah and I actually know a firefighter, and this is going to piss a few people off, but hey, I wasn't there. It's a story, but it's true. And they actually used uh, the hose on the cat, and they literally blew it out of the tree. Um, and the cat probably went into free fall, um, hit the ground and, and left the scene. But that's an extreme example of how to get a cat down. Do you think the cat was okay? The cat was okay. It was fine. Okay. Cats are amazing. They can they can jump out of tall buildings and sometimes survive. Well, I don't really think cats would do that. No, no, neither do I. No. How about any other times when your when your gear has malfunctioned? Malfunctioned? No, never. Really? No. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, there've been situations where people have forgotten how to use the basic equipment, like the pumps and things, but that's in a stress situation. Right. It reminds me of a friend I went to school with, and he he was a sweet guy, and at a set of lights, he uh, he, he thought he was going to drag this car off, but he got so excited that he actually put it into reverse, and he 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 reversed into the car behind while the other car took off. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The lights and that was pretty sad. So that's an example of a, a little bit of mild stress. And that was a fire engine. It was okay. not a fire engine, no. That would have been really, what? really bad. Here we Brain. go. Oh, here we go. This is great. Dad, I have another question here, and this is from Lance. Hey, guys, I'm a line haul truckie in New Zealand and cart a lot of dangerous goods, i.e. Class 3 flammables or Class 8 corrosives. I was wondering if you have any stories about trucks carrying DGs, either crashes or spills. Yeah, I've got a great one. Sometimes these accidents happen in... Um really weird locations you know you get a lot of country haulage uh, things that happen and these trucks can carry all sorts of things and on board every fire engine in well i can only speak for new south wales but there's a special book in the front of the cabin 
It's a fairly thick book. It's about an inch, maybe two oh. and a half centimeters thick. Mm. And it basically tells you every chemical, I won't say known to man, but it's got, it really covers a lot of amazing uh, sort of scientific and chemical uh, you know, details about everything you are likely to come across on the road that's being transported. And you've got all these different uh, signs yeah. that we see on the backs of these trucks. And it, it might say, there's a code and the fire is no, you know, it might say 3YE. Um, the E stands for evacuate. 3, um, from memory, talks about uh, how you're going to try and contain the incident. It could be on fire. Uh, it could be running away into a water catchment, down drains. Um, yeah, amazing things. So in Forestville, um, in fact, even to this day on this particularly uh, steep, uh, very steep street, uh, there are still, and this is probably 30 years ago, um, there were these blackened telegraph poles where a petrol tanker was coming down, it flipped over, caught on fire, and there was a sea of, um, of fire uh, coming out of this uh, petrol tanker. So it, w- it was well and truly on fire. Uh, it was full um, with tens and tens of thousands of litres of highly flammable liquid. And it ran down the hill and it Jesus. was going down all the drains and all the, all the power poles caught on fire. It was an incredible uh, incident. and So that's, that's an example of, of a major incident. But then you've got... Imagine a truck that's carrying, um, you know, hydrochloric acid, for example, and hydrochloric acid is used to clean bricks. And if you put it on on a brick, it just fizzes and and bubbles. But the the gas that it gives off is highly highly toxic. And can you imagine a, a massive truck just full of acid, um, and it tips over, and that acid is just so so corrosive or chlorine. And some chemicals, um, and the fires have to be really aware of this, is that some chemicals that are transported react with water and create a violent oh God, explosion. Really? Can you imagine a fire you go to and yeah. you... Yeah. Because what happens? It happens with magnesium, so that it actually bonds with the, the oxygen molecule and creates an intense... Uh, so if you've got a fire and it's burning, burning hot, and then you put water on it uh, with magnesium... In fact, in the fire brigade, we used to use this as a technique. You'd actually put water on the magnesium, which would create the most amazing, brilliant white glow. So white heat, which is a lot hotter than orange, yellow, red. It's sort of the ultimate, if you can imagine, pure white um, glowing. And what we'd do is we'd actually um, train water on the, the fire, on the magnesium, and what, in effect, we were doing is we were accelerating the reaction so that the fire would just burn more intensely but a lot faster. And that was a technique to put the fire out by just simply speeding up the process, which is quite interesting. All right. Um, and then you've got really, really um, scary uh, chemicals. And let's face it, let's kind of think about this in a really sensible way that every single chemical that's produced has to be transported. Let's take mercury, for example. Uh, mercury doesn't, uh, to, my, to my knowledge, is not mined in Australia. I know that it's mined in Africa and I think it could be in Spain. Um, highly, highly toxic. Uh, you know, mercury gives off a vapour at room temperature. Um, 
And imagine if the mercury is being transported and the truck has the crash and the mercury goes everywhere. And you can't, I mean, how on earth do you collect all the mercury? And like a water, like like a river, all any liquid, you know, it, it, it takes the path of least resistance. So if, if the water comes out, not the water, the, the chemical comes out and it's in liquid form... It's just going to run because it's working with gravity and it finds the lowest points and the lowest points are generally down drains. Ah, and, in, and, and it's just, and you know, and it's, it soaks in to the soil. And then you've got acids like, um, one of my favorite acids is um, hydrofluoric acid. Why are you laughing, Paul? Who has a favorite acid? Well, I mean, in terms of what acids can do. Right. But, I mean, acids are really amazing. I guess because over, over time, humans um, have used acid to... Can you guess what I'm going to say? Destroy bodies? Correct. To dissolve bodies. And, and, and aside to this, I love the little asides we do was that the very first case in British legal history where they charged someone with murder without the body, which is bloody amazing, because you used to have to have the body to prove murder. But the first case oh, okay. in British legal okay. history, and if anyone would like to correct me, and I'm, I'm happy to sort of give myself an uppercut, but... From memory, <laughs> Jesus, what's wrong? Hang on a sec. I'll just give no, myself. No, just giving yourself an uppercut is, is quite the image. Yeah, yeah, the visual. Um, but it was the very famous acid bath murderer, and this person used to dissolve bodies in a bath full of acid, and he was charged with the murder of um, at least one person. The, the good thing, not the good thing, but the, the amazing thing about that particular case is that they actually did not have a body because it had been dissolved. And, uh, yeah, so acids are, is a thing that's used um, to get rid of bodies. Um, I mean, there are lots and lots of ways to get rid of bodies. Um, and if you're really, really clever and smart and think about it, um, like if someone said to me, if, I, if I'm going to ask myself a hypothetical question, uh, how would I get rid of a... Is this a question you've ever asked me, Paul? Has anyone ever I asked? I don't think how, so. How would I get it, get rid of a body? Shall I answer it? Yes. There are lots and lots of ways to do it, of course. The main thing about getting rid of a body is that you... I guess you've got to be really calm and deliberate. So that's why you might want to put the body in the freezer. And lots of people have done that. Uh, and just give yourself days, weeks, months to sort of regroup, calm down, think methodically about how you're going to get rid of the body. And the best way, I reckon, to get rid of a body um, is to uh, freeze it, then cut it up into tiny bits, and then over many, many weeks and months, just put tiny little bits of it into a bag within your normal household garbage and just put it out with the garbage. But do it over a very long period of time. On the balance of probabilities, it's unlikely that... um, that anyone will ever find it because it goes to a transfer station. It's then compacted, uh, set out in these big trucks, 
um, out west and it's um, it's put into landfill. So I think by that stage, um, yeah. So that's one way. Okay. I mean, there so, are lots of ways, but yeah. I just, I mean, I love that you've told our listeners how best to get rid of a body. I mean, <clears throat> well, I, I don't, always... I'm not, I'm not going to say it's the best way, but it's, it's a way to, um, yeah. I mean, if you cut your finger, and we've all cut mm. our fingers, mm. one thing that has always surprised me is the incredible amount of blood that just keeps coming out. And if you sort of, it just, you know, there's eight, I think it's eight litres, I think between six and eight litres of blood, mm. which is, which is that's six to eight litre bottles of like, you know, well, you know how much a litre of milk is? Yeah. Imagine lining up six to eight of those. That's blood. So that's a problem in itself. That's why if you freeze the body, mm. you don't have that problem, although it is going to thaw out. So you need to, you know, work fairly quickly. Right. I mean, I don't want to sort of sound morbid, but um, yeah, because I'm not—you know—that I'm not, not a morbid. I'm, a, I'm, I'm not even a glass half full. I'm a, my glass is continually overflowing. Yes, but the sometimes the uh, the drink in the glass is very flat. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, that's astute, but not very nice of you to say that. That, okay. that cut deep. All right. Well, I have one more question uh, before yes. we round out this delightful episode of, of very strange listener frippery, and I love it. Here we go. Paul, the word frippery. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Is that from a long way to fripperary? I'm going to go with... Go with no. Yes. <laughs> find this other question. They Here broke the mould when you were born, Paul. Well, you broke the mould because I'm from you. So, oh, Is it weird talking God. to your adult son uh, on a podcast about stuff you did? Is that Does that ever strike you as a kind of odd career trajectory no, for you? No, because I regard our friendship and relationship as... Is exceptional and bloody fantastic. So, it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's really good. I'm very, I love I'm it. very I'm, lucky. I've just, I'd love to be able to, you know, just get a lot of blokes together and go, you know what? If you've got a son, you know, this thing, it can be great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, also, one quick thing. I'm not sure how many listeners are aware of this, but over the past few weeks, we have been asking you to pre-order Electric Blue, my second book about Dad, um, because it's up for pre-order right now. And we went to Booktopia and saw that it was number six on the charts. And this is before it even came out, because of all your pre-orders. So I just wanted to thank everybody for that and, <clears throat> and say Amazing. that, you know, we can get it to number one, I think. I can't wait mm. to... When am I going to get a copy, Paul? Very, very soon. Paul, I would really like to thank all our listeners for pre-ordering the book. It's, um, you know, it's, 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 it's big. It's exciting. It's, yeah, it's, it's going gangbusters. And let's see if we can get it to number one, which would be marvellous. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. I'm looking on Booktopia right now on their coming soon true crime charts, and we're number four. Like, we are crawling up the charts, and the book's not even out yet. So if you haven't already pre-ordered your copy of Electric Blue... Good God, I worked so hard on this book and I think you're really going to enjoy it. It is a weird, weird book about Dad and God knows we all love weird books about Dad. So all you have to do to make this rocket to the top of the charts is head to any of your book... Uh, sellers, any of your local booksellers, you can head across to Booktopia. Uh, Booktopia is actually really good. It's got a really good price on there if you want to pick it up for kind of cheap, which is cool. And just look up Electric Blue by Paul F. Verhoeven. By the way, we added the F because my middle name is Francis, but... um, Sorry, Francis. I just mispronounced my own middle name. Jesus Christ. Dad, do you want to tell listeners why my middle name is is Francis? Well, it's not after Francis of Assisi. I can tell you that. 
It's because my middle name is Francis. Sure. And I thought it'd be nice for you to have a, you know, carry the tradition on because my grandfather's middle name, actually, no, shit, his first name was Francis. Mm. Uh, and it's a great name. I think it's a cool name. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, yeah. Paul, I actually have received a request. I haven't told you about this, but I'm actually driving up to Palm Beach on Thursday to sign one of your books, the first book, for a birthday present for someone. Really? Yeah, it's a request com- has come through and I'm I'm going to go and do that because I think it's it's you know, it's such a lovely thing to do. Um, oh, that's lovely. They actually that's wanted lovely. to send the book to you and then get you to sign it then mail it back, but I thought no, because it could get lost somewhere in this t- in this climate. So I said, no, I shall drive to Palm Beach and, and do a bit of a dedication on your behalf as well. So I'm doing that tell on you Thursday. What, tell you what, call me when you're there, right? Okay. And, yep. and I'll tell you what to write and I'll describe my signature to you and you can try and do my signature okay. as best as you can. Brilliant. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Uh, well, look, I, I guess happy birthday to the person whose book it is. But I mean, really, thank you so much, everyone, for listening throughout this season of Loose Units hot stuff coming through i suspect that next week's episode will be probably the final episode of this season of the stories of dad's time in the fire brigade if you have any more questions before we close the door on this chapter of dad's career make sure you send them to us uh, by heading across to facebook.com forward slash loose units and then just message us or leave a uh, leave a post on the on the page and we will answer it and we'll fold those questions in thank you so much to everyone for their questions this week And we'll see you later this week for Loose Ends. Fantastic. And all the best. Talk soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.